Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast. I'm Chris Braden alongside with Big O Orlando Franklin, presented by Bet Online. So today's a big day in, in Broncos country, getting down to the 53. A lot of interesting moves, but Orlando, I don't want to talk about that yet. When I first met you, you weren't very active on your Twitter. You can follow Big O at OFranklin74 on Twitter. I got to tell you, the stuff you're doing with uh, the Denver Broncos with Steve Atwater and Alexis, uh, Alexis Perry, I think that's called Broncos Weekend. You looking all GQ smoothie on nine uh, pregame last week. How's things going for you? And kind of fill everybody in with exactly what you're doing right now. And I've had many questions about those shoes. I need an answer. What are the shoes? Where can I get those shoes? Like those, those shoes, I showed them in the office today, and everyone thinks they're fire. So, like, I don't know if you own part of that company or what they are. But everyone Rich. wants those shoes. Yeah, man. Um, well, yeah. So first of all, definitely doing um, Broncos weekend with uh, C. Batwater and Alexis Spirit. And they have been just absolutely amazing. Uh, we tape on Thursdays. We, it airs on Friday afternoons. And it's been really cool just kind of talking about the Broncos with them. And, you know, both of those, both of those guys are just ultimate professionals and just unbelievable to work with. They make it very easy to do that show. Um, as far as the nine news stuff, got a unique opportunity uh, to the Bills game to do the post game show mm-hmm. and then was able to get another opportunity to do the pregame show. And both of those things were super exciting. First time opportunities, first time being in those roles, holding that hat. And just kind of learning, you know, how, how to do that aspect. You know, I really want to do more TV stuff. I really want to try to get into, like, the ACC network, or maybe I could do some stuff for the University of Miami. But you got to get reps, right? got to get a, yep. a, a tape together and so people know that this is what you're doing, so they've seen you, so they see how you articulate yourself and things like that. So super excited that Nine News gave me that platform and that opportunity. And um, the shoes, I've had a lot of questions about the shoes. Those are those shoes are fire, Orlando. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that, Chris. Um, the shoes are, are the Christian Louboutins, the red bottoms. Um, I wish I owned some stake in yeah. the company. Don't we all, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I wish that they gave me a discount. I wish that I didn't have to pay full price. But they are a pretty penny. And um, just happy that everybody liked them and everybody liked the outfit that I was wearing for the pregame. Oh, that um, suit was fire too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Did you pick that or did your wife pick that? Come on now. Like both of my daughters have gotten married in the last two years. So I've had to buy two new suits Yeah, with the help of my lovely wife, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually picked the suits when they were originally made. Yeah. You know, I, I actually last year while I was coaching for the 49ers, they had a company come in and, they gave discounts to the coaches and I was like, yeah, why not? I actually need some new suits because I've dropped a hundred pounds and all my suits are, but that's the one thing I couldn't tailor. Like I tailored my jeans. I gave away a lot of my shirts. I gave away a lot of my hoodies. 
Uh, but the suits, there was no real way to tailor the pants or the jackets. So I had an opportunity last year to get a couple, and I took that opportunity, and they came out great as far as the, their, them being built. So super excited about that. Well, I'm going to have to go look for some knockoffs of those shoes, maybe get some Louis Rutons or something like I'll go, I'll go find, I'll go find the tracks version of those shoes because those shoes are fire, man. Those, I have never seen anything quite like it. I'm like, are those a kind of Jordan? We're all like, we're like just zooming in on those things, trying to figure out what they were, but congratulations to you. I got to tell you, I did watch the Broncos weekend. I thought you did an amazing job. Caught a little bit of the nine news. I'm down here in the spring, so it's harder for me to get some of that stuff. I have to wait till replays. But I just want you to know, man, super happy for you. Nobody really deserves it as much as you, and you putting the reps in. And I remember when you first got into radio, and I think I told you this. I had to let you up the elevator a few times because you forgot your key card. And I just I have a lot of respect for you. So congrats and good job. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it seems. Kind of crazy, you know, because you fast forward, you know, five years and well, four years, because this is going into my fourth year out of it now, or going into my fifth year out of it, where for me, it's just been unique, you know, and I never thought that I would do this because back in the day, Denver Broncos offensive line, we didn't talk to the media. Sure. So this wasn't something that I knew that I would enjoy. This was not something that I knew that I could do. This is something that I kind of just jumped into it blindly. And, and, you know, shout out to Armin. Armin was our old program director at the mm-hmm. fan. He, I taught, he taught me a lot. I learned a lot from Armin, learned a lot from, you know, and now I do a show with Cecil. And I'll tell you this, Chris, I don't know if you, you even know this. My first radio show, my first show that I ever was on the fan, the first time in my retirement that I was ever on these airways here in Colorado was actually me and Cecil pre-recording the show on Fridays that would air on Sunday mornings. Oh, wow. This was many, many years ago. So we would both go into the station on Friday afternoon. We would record two segments, and they gave us a 30-minute show on on Sunday morning. So a lot has changed since then, and, you know, I'm just enjoying riding the wave and and learning as much as I can and trying to get us better and better as days go on. Cecil Lammy is another guy, just me being from Colorado, watching him go through the ranks and talk about a guy that has a passion and stuck with it for a long time. And it's just good to see good people have success, man. And I love that. So congratulations once again. And, you know, you can go to watch Broncos weekend and make sure you catch uh, all that stuff that Big O did. Just follow him on Twitter. It's all right there. Oh, Franklin 74. So Orlando's this is a big day. Uh, for the Denver Broncos and your career is interesting. You've talked about it here before to where you came in as a young player and they needed you to play right away. And you weren't worried early on about cut days and all that kind of thing because you were it and, and you were the plan. And just to see some of the young guys like Mooty and some of those guys get cut. What's this day like for them? Yeah, well, first of all, it's just, I, I still believe this. You know, you, you're right, Chris. I, I was very privileged. I, I got drafted in the seventh round or in the second round. I mean, um, you know, I played seven years in the NFL, and I've always been the plan. I've never been the backup. I've always been the guy. I've always been very much part of the team. Never really had to worry about 
today, you know, when you have to cut that roster down to the three-man roster. But it's still a really, really crappy day. You know, yeah. it's still a one. I think it's, it's, there's two days in football that are the worst. And it's one at the start. Today's the start. Today's that 53-man roster. We cut it down. You know, you know who your brothers are. You know who, we're all that we got. You know who is active. You know, you kind of get a, you formulate an idea of who's going to be on the active game day roster. You kind of know how the pieces go. And you know that you got to find a way to keep these guys as healthy as possible for the whole season where you're going to work your butts off and get after each week in practice to get each other ready. So today, crappy day. And then the last day, the day where you come in, Whenever your season's over, that Monday that you come in after the last game of the season or after you just lost in the playoffs or after you just lost after a Super Bowl or after you just won after a Super Bowl. because And the reason why that day is horrible is because it's the last day that that unit will ever be together. Mm. There will always be changes, right? So you have a day that's right at the start that starts this thing off and a day right at the end that finishes this thing off. But for just these young players, it's – and veteran guys, because you spend so much time getting to know these guys. From You know, these guys have been here since April, where you get to know them. You know, you've hung out with their families. You're knowing their children. You know their families. You know, whatever situations they've had. You're their counselor. You're their best friend. You're, you're everything all wrapped up in one. And then this happens where guys have to get released. So it's an unbelievable day. It, it, you know, for young guys, what I've been told, it's like you're scared there. You're watching your phone. You know, when I was here with the Broncos, we did it a completely different way where we had a team meeting at like, it was like 2.45. And that's kind of how you knew that everybody made the team at 2.45. If you walked into that team meeting room or if you got through the building, if you were good and, and you were going to that meeting at 2.45, you're usually safe. So that's kind of how it was where you knew you were going to have to work at the facility and go there. When I got to the Chargers, a completely different aspect where you're watching your phone, you know, for that call. Um, and they would call you and they would let you know that you were being released by noon that day. So you didn't, you weren't waiting until two o'clock for the rest of the world and things like that. So either way, it's really crappy. You know, what's very, what, makes you realize how elite this fraternity is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only, there's less than 1,600 guys on active rosters each and every year. And that's all across the NFL on six, on 32 teams. So it's an unbelievable time. But I want to just thank each and one of these guys because they made football entertaining, right? Whether it was in preseason games or in April for guys like me and you, Chris, that live and breathe and talk football. That that's what we're looking forward to. You know, it gave us something to talk about. So congratulations to all these young men because it was a unique opportunity and 99% of the world doesn't get that opportunity to do what these guys have got to do the last couple of months. Yeah. And the cool thing about it, I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it or, or make it better, but these guys that are getting cut, they're, they're elite. There's a reason they were in camp. There was a reason that they got that opportunity and that's a credit to them. Um, you know, not everybody can play in the PGA Tour. I play a ton of golf. So, like, you know, there's just levels to it. One room I wanted to talk about, because I think we we both agree that the wide receiver room, especially after Tim Patrick went down, just seemed to rise to the occasion. And all those young guys 
out there making plays. And today I'm looking at Mike Kliss's tweet right here. Shepard, Williams, Johnson, all gone. And so is Kendall Hinton. Hopefully he'll make it through the waiver wires and get back. Johnson was let go because of the injury. He got an injury uh, settlement. So I'm not exactly sure how that worked. But were you surprised at how well that wide receiver room did kind of like stepping up their game a little bit once Tim Patrick left, went out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and I think there's a, a long active streak of either 16 or 17 years for the Broncos where a wide receiver, undrafted wide receiver has made that team. And we know that that is uh, Jalen Virgil, right? As of right now, he's on the 53-man roster. But um, was I surprised at all? I, I look at some of these names and honestly, they're still shockers, you know, Right. Um, when you look at a guy like Brandon Johnson, I know he had got that high ankle on the first play of the game, but at the same time, you know, that, that's a high ankle. You know, hopefully that does not require surgery. Hopefully he's back at some time because a week ago, this guy was running with the ones, mm-hmm. you know, so he was very much part of the plan. So you hate to see a guy like that get cut, even though, you know, it is that injury settlement. And, and Hopefully, it's like a, a situation where, hey, we're going to injury several you, but we're going to immediately turn around and try to put you on practice squad. Kind of entice that guy to stay around because that wide receiver was the big problem, was the big talk of the town this whole offseason because it was the deepest room. We saw what the Broncos did in the second deepest room. That's the outside linebacker in trading away Malik Reed to the Pittsburgh Steelers, where it's very interesting now in the wide receiver room how – they were going to get this whole thing done. So seeing a lot of good names out there, specifically wide receivers, and I anticipate teams like the 49ers, the Chargers, um, the Miami Dolphins, to take a look at some of these young wide receivers that the Broncos have because, you know, they were already training those systems. They could go and plug and play from day one, especially Green Bay, right? We know Green Bay have already got one of our wide receivers a couple weeks ago. So mm-hmm. I anticipate some of these guys being scooped up off the waiver wire in the next couple hours. You mentioned Malik Reed. You know what? When you get traded, you're an outside linebacker and you get traded to the Steelers. That That's kind of an attaboy, right? Like Malik Reed, I was surprised they let him go because we know how important depth is at that position. Yeah. Well, you know, like, just like you just said, Chris, uh, traditionally, right, what the Steelers have had at the outside linebacker position, mm-hmm. that for them to be the team to trade for you, yeah, that, that's the credit to Malik Reed, what he has done and the sex, success he has had in the National Football League since he's got here. So good job. We know George Payton, he's a guy that likes many draft picks, and he's a guy that is not afraid to move on from draft picks as well. Nope. So um, that's a good thing and also a curse at the same time because now you get a guy like Malik Reed where you got to give up a good player. But hopefully we got some young guys that will step up, Aaron Brown and uh, Nick Medino. Those guys have been really, really good. So we'll see if those guys can take the next step. And Moody was one that I was surprised they let go. Do you know, do you have any inside information on that? That was a guy that seemed for the last couple of years was kind of rising. And then just to, to cut him, maybe to put him back on the practice squad was a little surprising. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, he's a guy that during OTAs, he was splitting times with the ones and rotating with Dalton Reisner. Yep. And then during training camp, at the start of training camp at least, he was rotating at the right guard spot with Quinn Miners. So that one was very shocking, but we do know that Natalia Moody had that arthroscopic knee surgery. So um, we haven't seen him since, and he has yeah. been on the sideline. So I'm wondering if that knee is just not ready to go and this Broncos are going to need as much offensive alignment as, as early as possible, especially with their starters having not played and how much this run, this passing game relies on the run game to get going in order for the passing game to be explosive throughout the game. Another big one, uh, Brett Rippon beats out Josh Johnson for that backup QB role. Well, hopefully we won't need him much this year because if uh, he's playing too many games, the Broncos are in a bad way, but seeing a uh, Brett Rippon end up kind of like he kind of took that job. It was weird because it didn't start off great for him, especially in the preseason games. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah. just to see him uh, secure that position, pretty cool for Brett Rippon. Yeah. You know, and, and I think Brett Rippon is going to play a lot more than what we think, because mm-hmm. if you're the Broncos, you're looking at Russell Wilson, you're looking at what you just had to give up for, Russell Wilson, and at any time during the season, if you build a comfortable enough lead, you're going to plug in Brett Rippon. If sure. you are getting blown out, you're going to plug in Brett Rippon. If Russell Wilson breaks his shoelace, you're going to plug in Brett Rippon. And just coaching last year with the 49ers making all the way to the championship game, I look at a football team where we needed Trey Lance in order to go win games at the end, and we needed them to get us to win those games to make it to the playoffs. I look at the Broncos the last time they won a Super Bowl. But if you don't have Brock Osweiler go out there and win some critical games, you're not a Super Bowl contender. So there's always room for the backup quarterback. And what Brett went out there and did this final preseason game is to, to show this football team and this coaching staff and, and George Payton that he could be consistent. Right. You know, that was his first real opportunity to go with the twos. And he was able to be consistent enough you know, throw for about 66%. I think it was 14 of, of 21. Yeah, we know there was an interception there, but that's not on him. Occasionally, right. Hammer had to drive back to the football in that situation. So, Brett Rippon showed that he could be consistent. He could operate this offense. And he showed that he could do that with the threes against Buffalo when he was in Buffalo. And he showed that he could do it with the twos against Minnesota this past weekend. Just mentioned KJ Hamler. What did he show you Saturday night? Is he ready? Yeah, I think what you saw was he, there's no hesitation to the game. He looks a lot better than last year. Cortland Sutton playing with that knee brace that he had that he played with after coming back with that ACL injury. There didn't it didn't look like there was any fear going over the middle of the field. And when KJ Hamler does go, get on the field, it's going to be in the Broncos three wide receiver sets. So they're going to look for him to either be stretching the field and taking the top off the defense or working the middle of that field in between those hash marks. So it looked like the rust was knocked off. It looks like he's not thinking about it. And he looks like he's ready to go. So for this coaching staff, my anticipation now is probably that this coaching staff has about 15 to 20 plays where they want number one in the game for it. Where now they know, hey, we could put him in the game for it. He could handle these routes, and we don't have to worry about how he's going to feel the next day. As far as the first time him doing it in a couple of weeks against Seattle, because we've already done it against Minnesota. Denver Broncos don't play until the twelfth in Seattle. That's that's a long time. I mean, 
is that too long? It's like having another bye week. It's just, it just seems like this is dragging out a little bit. I mean, is this perfect for them to get ready and get ready for Geno Smith? I say in jest, um, but is 12 is, is this many days off before the game perfect or does it seem like too much? Um, you know, for me, I would say it would be too much had the starters played all this season, but sure. starters didn't play at all. So at this point, it's just some extra days where you can try to scout your opponent, try to figure something out, try to try a couple of new things in practice. Basically, you get a week before you really have to start game planning and getting ready to go. The guys get a day off and, and get as healthy as possible, right? Where now you get back to that traditional season plan where now you're going to have you know, two days a week that you're there and you're grinding, but the rest of the days are all kind of half days. So guys could get the body work that they need coming out of training camp. I scoured the, the waiver wire and like, I'm still uh, a little bit worried about that middle linebacker position for the Denver Broncos. Everybody loves Josie Jewell. We know he's like a great general in the middle of the field, not much for covering those tight ends and running backs. And I looked up and down of people that were cut today, and I don't see anybody that George Payton would even, like, take a look at. Like, I think we're set, right? Yeah, I, I haven't really seen any names pop when it comes to um, the middle linebacker position. Uh, a name that popped for me at tight end was uh, Tim Bull. I think that he could be a guy that could come in and compete right now for the number two tight end spot. And he's physical. He loves to block in the run game. And I think he would be an upgrade and not give away any tells for this Broncos offense. But yes, when it comes to the inside linebacker position, I have not seen anybody yet for the Broncos. Another name that pops out to me as well, Chris, is... Um, Dante Johnson, a cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers. He's a guy that can play right now in your base package or your nickel or dime package. He was kind of that Swiss Army knife for the 49ers last year and had to play a little bit of safety on the fly and did a heck of a job. So I anticipate him being an upgrade over a guy like Michael O.J. Moody, especially with the elbow injury that he sustained a couple weeks ago against the Bills. But he's a willing tackler. He's sticky in coverage. He doesn't like to give up anything. More of a taller corner, but loves to tackle, you know. And at this level, you want guys that want to stick their nose in there. But, yes, inside linebacker is the big thing. There has been some guys at other positions where I like to see the Broncos pick up. But inside linebacker, I have not seen anybody yet that's worthy of claiming off the waiver wire. Do you think uh, anybody is calling George Payton to see if Melvin Gordon's available since Boone, he, he played pretty well in the preseason. And I'm not saying that the Broncos are considering that, but like guys like Kenyon Drake, a lot of running backs are moving around right now. Would George Payton consider getting rid of Melvin Gordon? Because he seems like a guy a lot of teams could use right now. Yeah, I love Melvin. Melvin's a, a great teammate. Yep. You know, he was a teammate of mine. I was there when he got drafted with the Chargers. But George Payton does strike me as a guy that's going to listen to every deal and he's going to listen to every team that calls. And if they were to, to move Melvin Gordon to get a draft pick, a later round draft pick, uh, I think that that would be something that he would entertain. And you, you talked about Kenyon Drake. Um, I know Philip Lindsay's out there. You know, I saw I saw Mar Marlon Matt get released. Yeah. But my favorite guy out there right now for the Broncos in this system, this scheme would be a guy 
from the University of Miami. You know, call me biased if you want to, <laughs> but it, it, Duke Johnson. Yeah. I truly believe Duke could come into this system. And now you have three running backs that are all three of them are different. So it's kind of like, what do you want? But Melvin and Javante, a lot of both of those guys are, are very similar type run, running backs. Uh, if you were to add a guy like Duke Johnson, you'd have three guys with unique skill sets that you could divvy out the responsibilities to throughout the season. There's a guy that's from CU here, but LaVisca Chenault, I'm sure you're, you, you know about him. Have you paid attention to him at all or his career? Because for us Buff fans, it's, it feels like a new lease on life for LaVisca going from Jacksonville, which has just been a mess, to maybe a new opportunity kind of alongside Christian McCaffrey because LaVisca is one of those guys that you can put anywhere on the field. Um, do you think that might be a good new place for LaVisca? Like he might be able to finally get his NFL career going? Yeah. You know, the thing that I've loved about LaVisca Chanel is that when he got down to Jacksonville, he's a anything for you to type of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the coaches asked him, he did it. He was returning kicks at one point for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I love that attitude about him, you know, going into that offense where Baker is very much ready to prove something to the NFL. He's yeah. already talking about kicking the Browns' butt on opening day, right? He's already came out publicly and said that he's ready for that challenge. But I, I look at guys like Robbie Abiston, who hasn't really completely taken the next step after leaving the Jets a couple of years ago and landing on Carolina's that roster. Well, now Leviscus is, is a guy that has a couple of years under that rookie contract still, but could come in and push a guy like Robbie Anderson and be alongside a guy like DJ Moore, who is a young wide receiver that is very talented and has showed that, hey, he's willing to put the work in. So now I look at that offense and I'm saying, okay, they have some weapons there for Baker. Then they just added a great guy, Chanel. And just, I love his career. I love what he's battled through. And I love the fact that he was able to squeak his way into that second round pick for Jacksonville a couple of years ago. All right. Last thing for you, Big O. Denver Broncos heading to Seattle. It's not for a few days now. We got some time. How are you feeling about this Broncos team going in there into Seattle? They call them the Twelves. We all know they stole that from Texas A&M. I hate it every time I hear, hear the fans say it. I'm like, yeah, not really. Uh, but how do you feel about the Denver Broncos being ready for that Seattle game? A lot of people are thinking that that's going to be a big, big, big problem for the Broncos, and I don't really feel that way, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't feel that the Broncos are going to struggle with Seattle, but I do believe the Broncos going to win ugly against Seattle. You know, not playing your starters, having some of these guys battle their butts off to, to make the roster. The fact that some of these guys are coming back from injury, these guys haven't really done it against another team, especially for 60 minutes, you know. So there will be some mistakes. There will be some rust to be knocked off. But I don't think that – I don't care what kind of defense Seattle wants to play or how well they want to think they're going to run the football. I anticipate the Broncos are still going to come away from that game with the W. But it's going to be nice to see, you know, a lot of ties, a lot of connections. And I know a lot of people around the country wanted to see if Drew Locke could get that revenge game, but the writing was on the wall. You you, you watched them start Geno at the start of that last preseason game and get him out as soon as possible. And Drew didn't go out there and have a good night. And the writing was kind of on the wall leading up to that. I got a personal tie with Seattle. The defensive coordinator is Clint Hurt. Mm-hmm. Clint Hurt was one of the guys that recruited me to the University of Miami. 
He's a University of Miami alum. Now he's calling the defense, and we know that Pete Carroll wants to rely heavily on that defense. So it's going to be interesting first game, but I'm just expecting the Broncos to win early, but win mm-hmm. ugly early until they really start getting the feel of it with all these guys. And I don't anticipate that happening until the end of September. A lot of Broncos country is really upset that Drew Locke didn't get that job. Do you think that Pete Carroll just being risk averse because he wants to rely on that defense in the running game? Is that why Geno Smith is going to be under center at first? I mean, at the end of the day, right, if you're a quarterback, so the most important thing, if you're offensive play, the most important thing is football. Drew Locke had three turnovers. Yeah, yep. we can talk about some not being his fault, some being someone else's fault. But he still had to make the decision to throw it there. So um, in certain situations, it's best to just kill the ball and live to see another down mm-hmm. and not take those chances, especially when you have a coach that wants to win with the running game, wants you to dink and dunk it, wants to play a tough style of defense. You know, so Drew, unfortunately, in my opinion, lost that job. I have a different perspective than other people. You know, Drew still got reps. He still got the opportunity. Had he went out there and practiced, he would have been able to take care of business. I look at a guy like Brett Rippert. A week ago, people would have said that Brett Rippert was off this football team. Yep. Heck, Cecil owes me tacos now on Thursday because <laughs> Brett Rippert made this football team because we had a friendly little bet going. But Brett Rippert, a week ago, I would have said the same exact thing that he's probably not going to be on this football team, but he took advantage of that last opportunity in that preseason game and was very efficient with the football. And yes, he had an interception right next to his name as well, but it wasn't his fault because the receiver didn't drive on the football and he didn't turn that one interception into multiple interceptions. And he showed that he could be consistent and be well over 50% on his passes. So had Drew Locke did that out there in Seattle, he would have been the starter for them. That's Orlando Franklin. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at OFranklin74. Also, catch him on Broncos Weekend with Steve Atwater and Alexis Perry. Big O, thank you so much. Good stuff. I'm excited for the season. I'm feeling great about the Broncos going into it, and we're going to have a lot to talk about it for the rest of the season. Yeah, sounds good, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.